Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. My name is Jared Feinberg. Alongside me is Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for today's podcast. Devin, what have you been up to, my man? Uh, man, just uh, just working from home uh, and uh, pretty much, you know, keep diving into these draft prospects. Uh, we keep getting declarations, seems like, every day. Uh, there's a, a, a few more this week. Uh, really, since the last episode we did, we've had a couple more uh, declarations. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how things continue to shape out. Uh, a lot of these declarations are Big Ten and Pac-12 players uh, that obviously won't get a chance to play this season, which makes sense. I mean, we, we kind of figure once the hammer came down on those two conferences, we see a lot more draft declarations. So it's interesting to see who else will kind of follow suit and if there will be any extremely big names that join them uh but for right now i mean it's just more players uh more that more players that people seem to be all over the place with it's not necessarily consensus players so it'll be interesting to see kind of what shakes out but uh other than that man just continue to dive into prospects um you know uh big news with uh the draft darling cole mcdonald uh on wednesday people were pretty upset about that yeah, uh, they're pretty upset about that. Uh, so I took the opportunity. Uh, I wrote a piece on uh, XFL Press about players that should, quarterbacks that should take a look at the XFL. Cole McDonald made that list. I think he'd be extremely fun for the XFL, and I think that would be his best chance to play immediately because he, right now he's just a project. I mean, even even if the Titans kept on to him and held on to him, it still would have been a couple of years away before he'd been uh, seriously ready to start. Uh, so I was thinking XFL may be the route for him. Uh, Jamar Smith as well, someone the Patriots let go uh, at the end of July, uh, and then they brought back Brian Lewerke back to their camp. Uh, so a lot of people were up in arms about that, but he doesn't currently have a job, so I was thinking him. And then uh, two guys that really lit it up in preseason, uh, Kyle Laletta and uh, Kyle Slaughter, uh, or Slaughter, I should say. Both of them are have been great preseason quarterbacks, but... Uh, neither of them on a roster right now, so I figure both of them could be uh, fun to, to um, put on an XFL roster. But yeah, man, uh, just just trying to keep all these prospects declaring, man. It's been a lot. Yeah, and like not being able to give my opinion on a lot of these prospects because I haven't really touched up on them. Um, I've been I've been behind on um, the whole summer scouting process um, at summer classes um, this summer um, and also like I've struggled with just having the motivation to really do anything because you're stuck at home and quarantine every day and like you don't really want to get out of bed and that's how how my summer's really been and it's it's honest, it's honestly sucked, but over the last few weeks or so, I've been really starting to get back into um, tape grind and trying to catch up on all these prospects. Um, I have a lot of prospects um, on tap for tonight um, and tomorrow during the day, um, or actually throughout this whole weekend and throughout next week. So I'm hopefully going to have a top 50 um preseason board before the first college football game of the season. Um, but yeah, man, um, I want to say one thing about Cole McDonald. I never liked him as a prospect. Like I loved 
like the hype he was getting. I loved the hair flow, like everything. Like he's an, he seemed like an awesome dude, but I didn't like him as a prospect. I did not. I I I just didn't see the hype. It was like I didn't think he was going to make an NFL roster, honestly. And but I was surprised he he got cut this early. But you know. Like you said, I think he has a great shot at being a starting XFL quarterback, which he should, and that'll give him more time to develop his game. Um, I can see the areas where some people might like him, but I never really did like him as a prospect. So to you, Cole McDonald, Truthers, um, sorry to spoil your, spoil your party, but um, yeah, never liked him at all. As a prospect, I liked him as, like, everyone having fun with him and all that. But as a football player, no. I feel like I feel like every year uh, Draft Twitter has an irrational love for a prospect that yep. is, is really is really uh, far from, uh, you know, being a full NFL starter. But, you know, based on their story or based on, you know, the, the moxie or attitude they bring, you know, people – uh, you know, to know, to fall in love with these prospects. So I definitely understand. I feel like everyone has that prospect that even though they are extremely raw or extremely far from being a potential starter in the NFL, that everyone is like, you know, that's my guy, even though, you know, they know they're still far away or they're still a project. Right. Um, so I, I definitely get it. Like for me, is Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. Like I have a, a rational liking for him, even though I know that he has a lot to work on. Um, so I feel like everyone kind of has that guy that you know uh, is, like I said, far from being you know the a top prospect or anything like that. Like for instance, Dante Colinelli, he likes Zach Wilson from BYU. So mm-hmm. like everyone has their their guy and, and it just so happened everybody's guy last year was Cole McDonald. So I, I'm still looking for my true guy for the 2020 or 2021 draft class. Um, I haven't hit him hit on him yet, but I have a feeling over these next few days, I'll find him. Who was your guy in 2020? Trying to think i I had a big liking for Jedrick Wills. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, as soon as I watched this tape, I'm like, this dude's going to be a star in the NFL at offensive tackle. Um, I knew, like, if he started at right tackle, he was going to be a Pro Bowl right tackle from the get-go. But when, when like, watching his tape, I'm like, if this dude can – if this dude has the IQ, um, the football IQ to, and the awareness to get his feet, um, get his footwork going for left tackle. Oh my goodness. He could be a star at left tackle. And I, I really liked the Cleveland Browns pick. Um, and like taking Jedrick Wills, I think that was like their best case scenario for them was if Jedrick Wills fell to them, he was going to be the pick. I had no doubts about that. And he fell to Cleveland. I was so happy because, you know, Baker Mayfield never – he's never had a true left tackle since he's been in the league. Um, 
we all thought, oh, Greg Robinson might be something. Ugh, Greg Robinson. Man. I, I don't want to talk about it. As a Baker Mayfield, big Baker Mayfield fan, that's something we don't talk about is Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard, those two offensive tackles. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad the Cleveland Browns really um, took care of both their left tackle and right tackle spots. Um, game Jardick Wills for left tackle, game Jack Collins for, um, or Jack Conklin for, uh, right tackle. And the Cleveland Browns overall as a whole, I feel like they improved. Um, and they got star power all over the place. Um, Baker Mayfield, he has the weapons. He finally has the offensive line that he wants. It's really rock solid. Um, he has a much better coach than what he had the last two years. Um, Hugh Jackson and then Freddie Kitchens. Ugh. Um, and, you know, I, I think the Cleveland Browns, they could be the team to be like, okay, this team could be a very, very tough team for years to come if they can consistently have good offensive line play. Baker Mayfield plays consistent and plays well. Everyone plays their very best. You know, I'm a big fan of the Cleveland Browns roster. I think they have a shot at winning the AFC North, but I think right now I think the Baltimore Ravens are easily the best team in the division and one of the best teams in the NFL because they got Lamar Jackson in. They have a great defense, great offense. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe in the next couple of years we'll see the Cleveland Browns being one of those legit AFC teams to fear about when we're talking AFC playoff teams. Um, and one day, you know, maybe the Cleveland Browns will win a Super Bowl. Hopefully that's in a few years. I'm hopeful for that, and I think they have the potential. I think they have the coaching staff to do it now. I think they have the potential and talent on both sides of the ball. They just re-signed Miles Garrett to a massive contract extension. Um, Baker Mayfield, he's in for a big year, I believe. Better offensive line. He's got OBJ. He's got Jarvis Landry. We could see Donovan Peoples-Jones um, come in and make some plays. Um, they did bring back um, Rashad Higgins, Hollywood Higgins, who was Baker Mayfield's favorite target back in his rookie year. So there's a lot to like with Cleveland. Are they worth the hype? Maybe. It, I think the reason last year a lot of people were so dug into the Cleveland Browns hype last year is because Baker Mayfield had a great year one. And they just added OBJ. They got all of, uh, Olivia Vernon. They had Miles Garrett, who, by the way, before he got suspended the rest of the season for knocking Mason Rudolph up, upside the head with a helmet, he w- he could have easily had 17, 20 sacks. He was on pace for that, I believe. He had 10 sacks in 10 games. Yeah, which, he, he was dominant. He was – and. If he can keep that up this year, he's easily going to be one of the better pass rushers in the NFL if he isn't already. So the reason why the, everyone was digging into the hype last year was Baker Mayfield's great rookie year, adding OBJ and Vernon, Miles Garrett, Jarvis Landry. They had star power. They had true star power. And now 
this year it's they're still hype with the Browns, but it's not as rapid or high powered as it was last year. Like last year, I'm like, this team's win the AFC North. They they could potentially be a Super Bowl team. They go six and ten because you know why? Bad offensive line play. They didn't have great offensive tackles. They had poor offensive tackle play. Baker Mayfield was inconsistent. They had their coaching staff wasn't too great, especially their head coach, Freddie Kitchens, who we realized he's not a good football coach. He is not. And he's more he's more just a position coach, should just stick with that, than being a high-level coach like head coach, offense coordinator, whatnot. And, you know, now they got rid of them, got rid of or upgraded with their coaching staff and the talent around Baker Mayfield. It's hard for me to believe that with the schedule that the Browns have, and let me pull it up real quick, I believe it's like one of the easiest schedules in the entire league this year. Last year they had one of the hardest. If you think about it, they were they. They were playing the Ravens twice a year. They were, um, they had San Francisco last year. I mean, they were playing very, very tough teams. Um, let me pull it up here real quick. The Cleveland Browns, man, I think they are for real this year. I think they have the talent to be an extremely good football team. Peter's acting slow. Here we go. And their schedule is. I feel like I'm going to get a new laptop, man. This is the slowest piece, man. Here we go. So week one, they got Baltimore. They have. Dallas in week four on the road. They play Indy. They play Pittsburgh. I think they're going to be a good playoff. They're going to be a playoff contender with Ben Roethlisberger back. Um, Houston, Philly, Baltimore again. I mean, they do have some tough teams to begin the schedule, but overall, I think this is a team. This is a really easy schedule just from the looks of it. They only have two primetime games, one against uh, Cincinnati. Thursday night football week two um, at home, and then they have a Monday night football game um, against Baltimore in week 14. So they won't have a lot of national attention this year, but if they can be consistent and Baker Mayfield can play at the level he did during his rookie year, this is a playoff team. This is absolutely a playoff team. I don't see – I see – how many playoff teams I think are here? Baltimore's one. Dallas. Indy. I think they're definitely a playoff team. I'm like great roster all the way, all the way around. Um, Pittsburgh. I think they're a playoff team. Maybe Houston. I think what Deshaun Watson had to deal with last year and able to lead that Houston team to the playoffs. But as bad as the defense they had was impressive, so I I could see Watson leading Houston to the playoffs off off some sort of miracle. I mean, they should have beat the Chiefs, but 
yeah. in the playoffs, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Man, the world would be so different. The NFL world would be so different if Houston was able to pull that thing off. That would have been... Would Houston be in the Super Bowl? We don't know. We'll never know. But um, then they got Baltimore again, then Pittsburgh again. I mean, I don't see a lot of playoff teams on the schedule. It's going to be an easy schedule for Cleveland. I think that would be... be a, It'll be an advantage for them. So I yeah. can see 10 wins easily from the schedule. Um, yeah, yeah, I will say uh, if they are going to get in the playoffs, it's probably going to be wild card. Um, and since they got three wild card spots now, uh, that will give them a high, kind of a higher chance to, to make it. They could um, make it in at 9-7 and seven if they could. Yeah. It'll just depend on what the AFC, the rest of the, how the rest of the AFC um, looks. Yeah, well, I mean, based on like initial looks, uh, I think Miami will be much improved, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team this year. It really, it really depends on what they decide to do at quarterback if they're if they're going to start to it right away or not. Um, but their defense is much improved. I think their defense will keep. Them I think two games. started. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We'll see. We'll uh, see what happens. Uh, the only thing that concerns me is that since we don't have preseason, that he won't have the reps to kind of get used to the speed of the game and, and whatnot. Um, but I think he'll eventually be fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, thinking about the rest of the AFC, really the only battle that maybe could keep Cleveland out uh, is maybe the AFC East, depending on what happens with the Patriots and Bills. Um, because I feel like that, you know, the Patriots play up to their potential. They could right. be very well be a wild card team. I don't know if they win a division. Uh, based on Buffalo's roster, um, but they could very well be a, a playoff team. I look at the AFC West outside of the Chiefs. I really don't see a huge threat. Um, I mean, the Raiders are. I mean, they got they have some fun weapons, but I don't think Derek Carr is the answer. So I think they're going to have an okay season. Um, you know, the Chargers are okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Broncos may do something this year. Uh, we don't really know yet, or we don't know what to really expect from them, but they might make a playoff run. So I guess it depends for me what happens in the AFC East and West uh, with the the second and third place teams, uh, and really what happens with Pittsburgh as well. They might reemerge as as a top team and battle Baltimore down to the wire for the division, and then that's your two playoff spots, two playoff spots right there, and then you got to factor in everybody else, but. Yeah, I mean, going back to the Browns, um, I think since people were expecting a big season, it's like quarterbacks seem to have that, that second-year slump. Um, and the combination of bad offensive line play and bad coaching uh, really was a toxic environment for Baker Mayfield and the rest of that football team. Um, and, you know, if, the, if it was a better coach, you know, obviously Kitchens was not made for to be a head coach, especially this early in his coaching career. Or probably at all. Um, that I'll kind of derailed them. The coaching sack, real quick, from last year or the year before when Greg Williams was the interim head coach. I'm like, I think Williams should have. I think he can be a good head coach. It's just the amount of baggage he's had in the past is that's what's keeping him from being a head coach, and I totally understand that. Like, the whole bounty gate thing 
with in New Orleans. That that was not great. But when when looking at Greg Williams as a coach, when he's been in interim roles, he's done a good job. And could he be a full time NFL head coach? Possibly. I think he should have he should have been given a chance for one year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean given a chance last year as um Cleveland's head coach and keep Freddie Kitchens as offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean I think it may have been a different result, but I mean at the end of the day, you know, it just just wasn't great coaching last year. Um and it's hard for a quarterback to succeed when the coaching is subpar and the offensive line is subpar. So, you know, the second year slump, you know, while he had his own struggles, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to focus on what you need to focus on when you feel heat every other play, you know, and you feel mm-hmm. the pass rush. So for Baker, uh, it was going to be hard anyway to kind of replicate the success of his rookie year. Uh, but if you pile those things on top of that, you know, that's that's a more adding to the fuel. Uh, plus, you know, Miles Garrett's, uh, you know, incident uh, that kind of really uh, sunk the team a bit um, and injuries as well. Uh, so, I mean, look, the, I, I, I really hope the Browns have a successful year. Um, but like I said, if, if they get in the playoffs, it'll probably be a wild card. I'm thinking probably the six or seven spot yeah. at this point. Um, but it will be fun to see them in the playoffs and see what they do um, because, you know, anything happens in the playoffs. We saw that last year. You know, it's it's not going to be just a top team, you know, dominating. We didn't really see that last year. We saw uh, the Chiefs go down in two games in a row and look really on the ropes. Um, and if it weren't for, you know, the Titans and Texans' own mistakes, we'd be talking about a different Super Bowl. Um, so it, I mean, anything's predictable in, in terms of NFC, that's a whole different conversation, but oh, yeah, the, a, the, AFC, the, the AFC is, I won't say it's wide open, but I mean, the Chiefs, while they, they look pretty unbeatable, they, they are beatable, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just got to have a recipe and formula to beat them. And, uh, you know, fortunately for the Browns, they're pretty balanced. They, they, they could have the formula to beat the Chiefs if they really, uh, you know, value time and possession. Mm-hmm. Um and and, and they got a great running back. The if if they want to take overtime possession, drain the clock, they got Nick Chubb to do that. I mean, his athleticism, he's got great power to his game. Um, like I feel like he's underrated in a way because like he he's an excellent running back, but at the same time he doesn't get a lot of national attention. Um, I think he's in for a big year, especially with improvements on the offensive line. And I think he um, fits uh, Kevin Stefanski's scheme really well. Um, I think the only concern for me with the Browns is um, there's the second level of their defense. I think that's the only area where they are. They're not strong at all. Well, yeah. And with um, Mac Wilson going down, uh, yeah, the other day that that's another concern. Let me let me tell you the linebacker core for um for Cleveland without Mac Wilson, Jacob Phillips, the rookie, Sione Takiati, or I can't pronounce that name. Um, T A K I T A K I. 
Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apologies there. Um, Willie Harvey, BJ Goodson, Solomon AJ, or yeah, Solomon AJ, um, or Ajayi, Solomon Ajayi, um, and Tay Davis. That's a linebacker core without Mac Wilson. That's, that's not ideal. Yeah, I mean, they're really going to need a big season from Jacob Phillips, uh, to be honest. Uh, and that's asking a lot from a rookie. Um, so I don't know, man. Hopefully Mac Wilson's injury isn't too bad. Uh, he can come back and, and, you know, contribute to that defense. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a bit of a concern for the Browns already. Uh, so maybe we see Delpit play more of a box role and, you know, he's more uh, involved in a box. I do not like Delpit playing in the box. I think he can play in the box. He, he's just got to get better and run support as a tackler. That was one of the biggest um, nicks against him last year during the draft process. He was not a good tackler. Like, he showed effort and willingness in run support, but – and he does have the versatility to play anywhere. Nickel, free safety in the box – single high. I mean, he can really play anywhere if he wants. He has just got to improve as a tackler and be more physical and run support. Um, I think the guy that should be mentioned as more of a box role and should be more more of the enforcer um, closer to the line scrimmage is Carl Joseph. The yeah, I was thinking about that too. Hits. The dude yeah. can hit. Um, he's a really solid player. I'm glad they um, picked him up last or this offseason. Um, Cleveland's got a re- really nice secondary with Denzel Ward, Joseph Delpit, and then Greedy Williams. I think he's in for a nice year, too. Um, we saw improvement. I saw a little bit of improvement last year when I saw um, games or Cleveland games last year when I was able to watch um, – Williams, he did better in run support, um, still an iffy tackler, but um, he got better in that area last year. He was still a good cover corner. Um, but overall, besides the linebacker position, this is a really good-looking defense. I think if they if the Browns want to be successful in the run game, um, the guys in the middle are going to really have to, they're going to really have to step up. Um, Get in there, two gap, one gap. Um, Sheldon Richardson, Larry um, Okajobi, um, they're they're going to really have to step up. I could see Jordan Elliott getting some reasonable snaps. The rookie out of Missouri, um, I know he had a lot of fans in the draft community. Um, he was a really solid prospect when I watched the tape um, um, this past offseason. But overall, this Browns team. They have the talent. I think next year, um, during the offseason, they're definitely going to be focusing more at linebacker, especially if Mac Wilson can, can get healthy and start playing well. Um, I think they, they just really need someone really solid above average in that area alongside Mac Wilson. I don't, I'm really skeptical of Jacob Phillips. Could he be a, um, gem? Potentially for the Browns, possibly, but we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see, give it a few weeks during the year. And if linebacker's a big problem for the Browns, minus Mac Wilson, if he's healthy, then we should expect a trade at least for someone 
um, with the Cleveland Browns. Like, again, the receiving core, offensive line, their depth, um, their tight end group with David Njoku, Austin Hooper, who they signed this past offseason, um, and then Harrison Bryant, who they drafted. Um, they got Baker Mayfield. He got good running back group with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Then uh, they signed Andy uh, Genovich. Um, yeah, man, this is a good football team. It's just linebackers going to be concerned. Who's going to step up on defense um, at the second level? We'll just have to wait and see. And like you said, I think they're definitely – they should be in that um, top – in the three wildcard team places. Um, I definitely think this is a playoff team. Um and one thing I want to point out, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned Jacksonville when going through um, Cleveland Brown's schedule. See, people are saying this is the worst team in football. I, I'm like, no, this is not the worst team in football. This is a very, when you look at this team, I'm looking at the step chart. I think they got a lot of solid talent. Going, going to go through some of their starters um, with their depth chart, depth chart or that their depth chart on our lands. At receiver, you got DJ Chark, DD Westbrook, Chris Conley, Lavisca Chanel. That receiver core, that's going to be a that's a really underrated group of receivers. Cam Robinson, can he produce or not produce? Can he step up this year? Andrew Norwell. Really, uh, a really solid left guard. Um, Brandon Linder, probably one of the better centers in the league. AJ Can. Um, Jawan Taylor, who I expect to have a good year too. Um, he looked really nice last year in his rookie year. Um, they signed Tyler Eifert, who's really solid when healthy. Um, Leonard Fournette. Um, Chris Thompson, Rockwell Armstead, those those three are going to be – I think it will be an RB by committee. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I think it's going to be RB by committee. I was a fan of Fournette, but, you know, I, I, I don't see him getting, like, a crap ton of touches like he did or like he has over the last few years. If he can stay healthy, he'll be fine, but – you know, I think they're going to go RB by committee with Chris Thompson um, and Armstead and Fournette. I think those three are your top three running backs. Then you got Bruce Miller um, at fullback. You look on the, the defensive side of the ball. Josh Allen, um, stud rookie from last year, who could end up being one of the better pass rushers in the NFL in, the, in a few short years. Um, Taven Bryan, um, Aubrey Jones. Um, um, Nikoye, he's not going. He's not going to be on the team next year, or he's not going to be on the team this year. He's going to get traded at some point soon. We just don't know when or who's going to trade for him. Um, yeah, we we that, heard rumblings that he was supposed to get traded a couple of days ago, but then it never happened. Oh my God, I got fooled so bad by a fake Schefter tweet. It was bad, bad, bad. I, yeah, I, I immediately I saw, checked. I immediately checked for the the uh, the verification check because uh, I know I just know there's always every time a big news story is about to break, someone's uh, tweeting out something 
completely fake and to make it seem real because we look at the name and we're like, ah. You know who who was the one that quote tweeted and I was like, oh, this is real, was Ben Solak. I blame him for making me bite on that fake Adam Schefter tweet. So, Ben, you are a POS, but I still love you, my man. <laughs> but um, just overall looking over at this um, Jaguars defense, um, especially the front four or the front seven, it's really solid. You got Miles Jack at the second level, Joe Schobert, who they just signed. I could see um, Caleb on chase on getting reps um, at defensive end. Um, he's rejected to be the starter at linebacker, off-ball linebacker. Um, and then you look at the secondary. I think really C.J. Henderson's got to step up as a rookie. Um, but Ronnie Harrison, um, he's a really solid football player. He's going to be he's, – he's easily their best defender in the backfield. But um, – I think the only concern here with Jacksonville is that they don't have a lot of great depth. That's what's going to kill them this year. They have, they are very top heavy in terms of talent, but when you look at their depth, it's not great. It's not great at all. That's going to be the downfall of this team, especially their secondary. Now, if Gardner Minshew, who I have yet to mention, I think he can be a solid game manager for the Jaguars, if he can do enough, if he can play like if he can play somewhat better than he did last year, I think the Jaguars I don't think they'll have the first pick. I don't know if they'll have a top five pick. I think this is a team that can easily win six games. Um I don't think they're gonna be a thirteen loss team, honestly. I think Carolina might have a better chance at losing thirteen games, but again, that that team has a lot of potential. So it could be the Jets with the number one pick. It could being the it could end up being the Giants again with a top two pick. I mean, I think we we look at both teams and we don't see like if you're the casual fan, you look, you compare both Carolina and Jacksonville. Who is the big name that you're going to get from either team? It's Christian McCaffrey. So I can see why people are hyping up the Panthers a little bit more because of um, they do have um, some depth. They have improved a little bit. They have a lot of young talent, but it, there are a lot of question marks in a lot of areas. And how will the coaching staff mesh and all? It's just going to be a big question mark. They could be the team that ends up having their number one pick, um, but we really don't know. Jacksonville could easily have the number one pick. I'm not saying they won't, but I don't think – I think it's less likely that they don't have the number one pick is what I'm saying. I'm I'm probably going to be a lot higher on Jacksonville. I think they'll sneak away with a few upsets on their schedule, but other than that, I think they're, they're still – they're not a playoff team. Not saying that at all. They're definitely not a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, they're a couple injuries away from being a, a really bad team. Um, so, to me, it's really going to depend on if they can stay healthy. If they can stay healthy, I think they get maybe five, six, seven wins. But, yeah, easily. Uh, if they if they don't, then it's, it's going to be a rough season, and they're looking at a top three, top four pick. 
Uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they're, I don't want to say they're, they're not a complete awful team. Uh, I really don't see too many complete awful teams. I mean, the Jets are contenders. Um, maybe the Giants, but maybe they, they look better than they actually are. Um, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully the Giants are competitive. It'll be suck for Saquon to have yet another season where all his, um, all his efforts and everything are going to, to waste. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jaguars, they're, they're a decent team. They got, like you said, they got talent. Uh, you know, the receiving core, I think, is the most underrated part of their team. Uh, you know, DJ Chark has really, uh, kind of led that group the last couple seasons. And, um, you know, Gardner Minshew stepped in and did a really nice job last year. It'll be interesting to see if he can replicate that success. Um, we don't know, you know, with him, uh, and, you know, with Washington State not really having too much of a, background in terms of quarterbacks being successful in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. He's kind of carrying the torch right now. Um, and, you know, what what he does this season could very well look on look good on K.J. Costello uh, and, and other quarterbacks that go under Mike Leach, or it could look, you know, not so great. So to me, you know, obviously he's playing to continue to be the quarterback for the Jaguars, but at the same time, you know, it kind of reflects on Mike Leach and how well you can develop quarterbacks and get them, you know, into a position to, to play uh, immediate snaps in the NFL. So we'll see kind of what happens with that. Uh, I think that'll be a, another kind of a, uh, interesting storyline to watch. Um, but like you said, they're, they're not a playoff team, but they, they do have some talent. And uh, to me, it, it kind of reminds me of the Dolphins. Like people are like, uh, nah, they're, they're automatically going to get the number one pick. They don't look great. But they're they're going to be a competitive team. The Jaguars are, are aren't really a team that's like just going to full tank mode. They, it's been a long time since they had right you know a, a big top pick, and you know you don't really expect that from the Jaguars. But they always hold their home, own in the AFC South. You know they always get wins against the top team. Uh, they find a way to win games, um, and their defense are, is always solid. You know it's not you know too fantastic or whatever. And they lost a lot of uh, pieces over the last couple seasons, but they're they're still they're definitely going to be competitive. Yeah, um, and it, it's crazy. Like just a few years ago, this team was in the AFC Championship game, and we all thought like, oh, Jacksonville, like they get better at quarterback, they could be a team in the AFC South to really worry about. But nah. They, they've gone way downhill from there um, since that 2017 season. I that 2017 season that Jackson that Jacksonville Jaguars defense that year that was one of the better defenses I've seen since I started watching the NFL. Um, that was really really good defense. Um, they, they had a really good rotation going on the defensive line. They had a really good linebacker core. Um, their secondary was incredible. Um, Leonard Fournette really stepped up in the run game um, that year. Um, and I, you know, I I thought Jacksonville they had I thought they had a great shot at making the Super Bowl. Um, I was like, you know, Jacksonville. It, like their defense could have carried them to the Super Bowl easily. They almost made it to the Super Bowl. And as a matter of fact, like they were, if they called um, that fumble 
in the AFC Championship game. Do you remember that? The fumble? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Miles Jack, if they called that fumble recovered by Jacksonville, Jacksonville would have wasted a bunch of time on the clock, um, driven the ball downfield, kick a field goal, or at least score a touchdown, put the game at least out reach for New England, and we would have seen – Nick Foles and Blake Bortles going head to head in the Super in the Super Bowl. So we were close to that, which kinda of makes me sad that we didn't get to see that because I like that Jacksonville Jaguars team. But um another thing I wanna touch on is like last few days I've been noting or in the last podcast to end our last podcast, I made a take or one of my last two hot takes was the LSU Tigers were going to finish 10 and 0 with um, with Miles Brennan at quarterback, uh, and they were going to get back to the national championship. And um, I know people are going to see that and be like, they lost a crap ton of talent to the NFL draft, and they just lost Kerry Vincent to opt out, and he declared for the NFL draft. So they just lost one of their biggest secondary members. So, is LSU really going to be good? I think they're going to be good. I think they're still going to be really, really good. Um, I think they're reloading and and less retooling. Um, I'm looking over at their depth chart right now. Um, of course, you got Jamar Chase, their star wide receiver, Terrace Marshall. Um, they got uh, Racy McMath. Um, Jerry, Jerry Jenkins, uh, Devontae Lee. Um, you got talent in the receiver room. Um, Trey Palmer as well. Um, John Terry, um, Kirkland. Um, you have some dudes at wide receiver. That's still a very good wide receiver core. Um, and even their rotation last year when they were rotating Marshall, Chase, and Jefferson out, their rot, their rotational players came in. They did just as good good of a job as the big three did last year. Um, and you look at the offensive line, they did lose talent. Of course, they lost uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, um, Damian Lewis, uh, Shadiq Charles. Um, they did lose talent up front. But um, when you look at their offensive line, uh, they're they're Rosenthal, Ed Ingram, uh, Jason Hines, Anthony Bradford, Austin Ridiculous. This this is a solid offensive line, um, and like just from the reports I'm hearing from LSU, um, like there's there's still praise along that offensive line. They're going to have a freshman starting at tight end, Eric Gilbert, um, and I've heard a lot of good good things about him. Then Miles Brennan, who was Joe Burrow's backup. People are hyping him up, and I saw that um, the Heisman nods for the SEC. He was at the top of their odds, and I was like, whoa. Especially for a player that has never started a game for LSU, that's that's a lot of hype for, for Miles Brennan. But in the, in the snaps he played last year in garbage time, um, he should, I liked what I saw. I think there is potential there to be good. I've heard he's got a really solid arm. And then you look at the backfield with Chris Curry, Tyron Davis-Price, John Emery Jr. 
Um, I think Emory Jr. could – I think we could see him as the starting running back week one for LSU. Um, but I think they're going to go with RB by committee um, for the moment until they see someone playing consistently consistently well. I think Emory Jr. is someone who can really step up and become a really good running back for LSU. And I see an NFL future with Emory Jr. because in the snaps he played last year, oh, that, that's, that's a dude. That's definitely mm-hmm. a dude. On the defensive side of the ball, um, they added Treville Cox via transfer portal. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about him. Can't wait to get in, into his tape. Um, I know – have have you watched Jabril Cox yet, Devin? Uh no, I really out really outside of um in terms of like North Dakota State uh players or former players, I've really only taken a look at Trey Lance. I really haven't taken a look at uh the the tackle Dylan uh Duns, um or uh Jabril Cox. Um but yeah, like I said, I've heard good things about him as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing for me is like, LSU is always going to have talent. You know, they're always going to have a bunch of guys that can come in and immediately play. Uh, the running back position is always stacked. They always have three, four guys deep, uh, always have a solid receiving core. Uh, for me, I, I guess it's like, you know, they had the great season last year. They had Joe Brady in, in the fold. Uh, so you just wonder, are they what what are they gonna look to attack this year? You know, are they going to play to Miles Brennan's strengths? Are they gonna try to make it comfortable for him? Are they gonna want to take chances? Uh, just because based off the past, like with him coming in be a first year quarterback, I mean, we saw with Joe Burrow, he had two seasons to kind of uh, grow right. and uh, grow in the LSU offense. Now Miles Brennan has been here a couple seasons. He's he's been learning, you know, kind of sitting behind, waiting in the wings. Um, so, you know, maybe that has done well for him, but for me, it's like, what are, how far are they going to stretch the playbook for him? You know, what is kind of his, uh, limitations and, and whatnot. So, Mm um, real quick, um, one touch on the secondary. This is still a good secondary. LSU has always had a great secondary. Um, Derek Stingley, of course, best corner in football. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is back there at strong safety, who's going to be a force in the box. We could see someone like Elias Ricks, um, um, the true freshman. We could see him getting um, a lot of worthy snaps, um, especially uh, with Christian Poulton gone and Kerry Vincent as well. Um, it's just going to be a matter of who can step up this year. And from what I've heard, I think LSU is going to still be running the same offense they did last year. And if that's the case, it, I think their offense is going to be fine with Miles Brennan. I think the offense that they ran last year with Joe Brady, that's very college quarterback friendly and that's very pro quarterback friendly. Um, it's essentially the Saints offense in college football. Um, just in more of a spread, um, spread look, um, not a lot of shotgun formations or not a lot of, um, under center formations. Um, but, you know, LSU, I'm going to be very high on them this year. And if they end up crashing down to earth, um, this year, I'll take the full heat for it. I don't mind. I don't care. Um, I'm just really high on LSU. 
I've always been for the last couple of years. Um, they've always had talent. Um, losing a lot of your starters and players to the NFL draft, that is costly for any team in college football. But for someone like LSU, for the, with the same offense and with um, a good amount of players from last year um, still coming back, like Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Derek, um, Derek Stingley, Jacoby Stevens, um, Glenn, Glenn Logan, Tyler Shelvin, um, then Miles Brennan starting at quarterback. Like you still got guys coming back and they're still good football players. Um, we got to keep an eye on LSU because again, we're sleeping on LSU again, like we did last, last year. So we'll just have to wait and see what LSU does. I'm definitely high on them. Like I said, um, I expect great things from Ed or, Ed Orgeron, um, in that offense and that defense as well. Um, so I'm expecting LSU to be in the SEC championship and in the national championship. All right, guys, that is it for today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys later. Peace out.